here we go. Uh, my guest today has got a pretty long res- uh, resume, guys, so buckle up here. One of the most dominant junior players of his era. He was the CHL Defenseman of the Year, the WHL Defenseman of the Year, the WHL Player of the Year, two-time World Junior Gold Medalist, including one as captain, two-time Calder Cup champion. He played 686 games in the NHL and had 130 points. And Michael Buble calls him a friend. Welcome to the Hockey Talk Podcast, Carl Alsner. Carl, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm laughing now. It's uh, it's quite the intro there. I love how you ended it. That was uh, that was nice. It's it's fun, I guess, when you uh, look back on on some of the things and, and hear some of the things I did get done in the career. It's kind of nice. But we always uh, always kind of stack ourselves up with how many if you've won a cup and how many games you played in the NHL, and and those are the two things that just that irked me to no end. But the other stuff, you know, it's one of those things that I. I appreciate you saying it actually because I can uh, I can go back and think about it. it makes me feel pretty good. Oh man, I so when I do these interviews and I don't I don't know if you took a look at the guest list. Sometimes I skim over the junior career and you know I vaguely you're you're only a couple years older than I am and I vaguely remember you played Burnaby Winter Club. I was out in Cloverdale and and I kept hearing about you know this defenseman in Burnaby Winter Club. He's he's really good. He might have a career in the NHL one day and. And I'm looking up your junior stuff, and even the the junior B league out here, you won that too. So, I, I guess my my first question for you would be like, at what age did you realize, hey, uh, I got you know some talent here, I might have a career in in hockey, and along the way, you were winning everything. Um, it's it's a good question. I don't think I honestly don't really uh, think that I believed any anything serious would happen until. Um, until I probably made my first world junior team. You know, I, I mean, when I was in Calgary playing for the Hitmen, um, we had a couple of good players. You know, Ryan Getzlaff was there during the lockout year, Andrew Ladd. So, so I had some good, good players to kind of stack up against and, and test out, um, I guess, some of my skills. But I still never really believed it. You know, I looked at Ryan Getzlaff out there and I'm like, holy smokes, this guy is so good. There's no way I'll ever be up to that level. And then, um, and then the year, you know, I got, I got asked to come to try out for the world junior team. And I was like, kind of surprised, you know, I was like, Oh, all right. I, I'm on somebody's radar. That's, that's kind of neat. And then to actually make the team um, was probably the first time where I was like, you know what, the, there's a real possibility here that, uh, that I, I might, I might get to play in the league at some point. Um, and I, I'd say that's what it was because, you know, although we did, we won a lot of things. Um, well, I guess I thought, well, Burnaby winter club, as you know, was a, uh, was a pretty good place to play hockey and, and we we won a lot there but I was always you know like like a lot of a lot of the kids progress I, I never made the triple a team my first year so I'd be on the double a team we'd get stomped by the by the triple a team 14 to 1 every single time and and then next year I'd be on it and and it just kept repeating you know so I was I wouldn't say that I was ever at the top of any of these teams um and then I had a really really good uh, situation in Richmond with the soft guys where we just happen to have a, a solid team with a lot of really good young players um, and got a bit of a, a taste of victory there. And then you, you, you don't get much luckier, luckier than getting drafted to go play with the, the Calgary Hitmen. You know, that's uh, it's just a dream come true. And then during, during the lockout year as well, you're, you're, you're the only ticket in town, right? There's there's there no Calgary flames. We were playing at the saddle dome. Um, we had a good team. We, it's funny though, if you look back, that year was the same year that the London Knights destroyed everybody. Yeah. And uh, so they were ranked number one in the CHL. Um, 
Ramuski with Crosby was ranked uh, number two as as they deserve to be. And then us, we were ranked number three. And we were the only team of the three that didn't make it to the Memorial Cup. We lost uh, in seven games to the Brandon Wheat Kings after we were up 3 nothing in the series. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so it was it was interesting how that all played out. But I guess lo- long-winded answer. I never, never really expected it, anything to happen until um, – probably the first year world juniors the 017 that would be the old the old 17 yeah when we won in uh sweden uh that was the jonathan tays carrie price show the <laughs> shootout that we had there yeah 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 because you uh you and sam Ghani were the only draft eligible players on that team and were you kind of playing more of a depth role at that stage and or you know did you manage to work your way in the top four or how did that all work out that's actually kind of funny too. So I was already surprised that I had made the team. Um, and then we get to exhibition and we're playing uh, Finland in Finland. Uh, Tuka Rask was the goalie. And uh, I remember just hearing a lot of talk about him and all this. And um, the period, the game starts and I, I score like three shifts into, into the game. I'm like, Oh, sweet. Scoring on Tuka, no big deal. And then, and then I get an assist the next period. And I think I, we won the game with like three one or something like that. I had I had one and one, and I'm like, look at me go! Like I didn't know I could do this. I was pretty <laughs> pretty happy. And then we go into Sweden. We're playing where the tournament's going to be held, and we're playing uh, Team Sweden in uh, exhibition game. And uh, what do you know? First period, I score again, like five shifts into the game. And I'm like, holy crap! Like I might lead this tournament points as a defenseman. Look at this. And then. And then later on that period, off a of faceoff, um, we won. We won it over to my side. I was on the corner in the D zone, and I just kind of, you know, a little stick battle, beat the guy to the puck, and went to swipe it back behind the net. Um, and it just like went off the toe of my stick. And Leland Irving was the goalie. He wasn't quite ready for it, and it slid right underneath his leg and in the net. So it was it was a direct shot into our own net. And I'm just like, okay, one and one one goal for one against, right? And then yeah. second period, um, uh, I think it, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Freddie Pedersen, who I had played with the junior came down the wing slap shot. And I just went to go stick on puck, just got a piece of it. And it went top corner again on earth. And so I scored two against and one four in that game. And I could just feel something kind of shifted with the, uh, with the coaches. They're like, Oh God, this, this guy now he's now he's scored on his own net. And so I ended up going from uh, not, from playing a ton obviously in the exhibition and to, to not really playing much the first few games and uh, it was weird as the tournament went on i started to play more and more and more and then the, the last two games were the, the semis and the finals were the ones i played the most in by far um you kind of feel like it would have been the opposite right but um i was i was i would say i was probably that sixth or seventh defenseman on that team we had some really good players really good junior players there um, so I wasn't really expecting much else, but it was still a hell of a learning experience to, to win and to be in Europe and win, um, with that group was, it, it definitely, it changed, changed my trajectory a lot. Yeah. I mean, especially that tournament has so much weight on, on draft stock and everything. And you mentioned a couple of guys you played with in Calgary. I mean, Getzlaff first round pick in 03, uh, lad top five pick in 04, were those guys reaching out to you and just going, hey, you know, especially you being, I guess, 17 years old, were they kind of just reaching out and, and giving any, any advice or just telling you to just enjoy the ride? Yeah, 
yeah, it was pretty much enjoy the ride. What's cool about Hockey Canada is I don't know if it's still happening right now, but they would do a lot of uh, uh, current NHL players would reach out and send a send like a a, a fax <laughs> at the time, and it would be it would be a fax just like a like a good luck, you know, have fun. This is what to expect. You know, you're gonna hear a lot of noise. You know, just focus on these things, whatever. And so we'd get we'd have a board full of them, like forty different messages from uh, from uh, ex Hockey Canada guys. And so we had stuff from Ryan, from from Andrew, uh, and we have I think we had a, a video from Steve Eiserman. Uh, we had Trailer Park Boys. You know, it was it, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff that came through, but more or less the message was the exact same. You know, just try and shut out shut out all the uh, all the extra stuff. And honestly, it was probably one of the best things for us was playing in Europe is yeah. because you hear way less of it. The social media wasn't nearly as as popular at that point. Um, so you just didn't hear it. Uh, and it, and you could just disappear into the streets after and, and walk around the, the city without having to worry about anything. Um, so yeah, it, it ended up being a great thing. And, and we had a lot of people reach out to us. You mentioned the, the Taves and Price show. I think everybody remembers that. Um, when you're sitting on the bench, how was the feeling there? Were, were you guys, cause I mean, Taves was, was so good even by that point. Uh, were you guys a little more, I guess, was it nervous energy or was it kind of like, you know what, this is Carrie Price and Jonathan Taves. Like we're, we, you know, we got this. It was extremely nervous energy. Like yeah. it, it didn't, it didn't matter who we had, you know, if you, the funny thing is, is, you know, who, who the other team had was Patrick Kane was his yeah. teammate, was, you know, a longtime teammate now. And so it was, it was, um, you just had no idea what was going to happen. And so um, it was, Team USA was definitely the the next best team in that tournament. You know, we, we ended up playing Russia in the final, but but USA was was for sure better. And so we knew it could have gone either way. Um, I was on the bench at the end and we would switch spots after every every single goal against, you know, just being as superstitious as possible, thinking we were helping out in some way, but it was, it was absolutely nuts. And I knew, I knew Tay's pretty good because I played, played minor hockey against him a lot. We played at the, at Westerns together. Um, you know, he was the talk of the tournament then, you know, and I, I, I still clearly remember thinking the way that this guy releases the puck, especially when he's one-on-one with the goalie is so strange, and so elusive. And sure enough, he'd go, he went into the shootout and, and did that release. And I'm just like, wow, like no goalie can stop this. It's the weirdest thing. So I remember always, every time I get on the ice, I try and practice it too. Just uh, I wish I can shoot like Taze. That'd be sweet. Um, but it was, it was just a, it was a neat tournament. It really put those guys on the map. And, uh, and, and when you, when you're successful at that tournament, it, it really makes everybody's career, maybe not their career, but it definitely gives you, an extra look teams give you an extra look. If you were on a, on a world junior team that won, um, they're willing to let go of some of the mistakes you make just to, to see what you can do. So it's kind of a nice thing. Then the next year, 2008, uh, you're named captain of the team. And, uh, that team was, I mean, I don't know which one you think is better. I think personally, Oh eight on paper looked a lot better. I mean, you had Dowdy Shen yourself on the blue line, uh, Stamkos 16 year old Tavares up front. Um, but uh, the the hero of that tournament was Matt Halischuk, and he gets the OT winner. And and uh, it's kind of funny. I went back and I watched the the goal as I was prepping for this interview, and I forgot how ugly it was. You know, Sean Mathias kind of bullies his way to the net, and Halischuk's just kind of standing there, flicks it at the net, and kind of a delayed reaction a little bit. But uh, 
going into that tournament, you guys kind of ran the table, and then to to be up against uh, Sweden in overtime. Again, I guess I, the question would be: Was it? I mean, was it sort of a, a nervous energy, or again, were you guys thinking there's just too many talented guys here? We we are going to win the gold medal. Well, that was actually funny too because up until that tournament, I think it had gone um, four straight years with Canada not losing a single game. You know, it was it was a it was a quite the streak, and. Um, we started our tournament out against Czech, who was supposed to be really good that year. We beat them. Um, pretty tight game. And then the next, I can't remember who it was next. But anyways, the last game in the round robin was actually against Sweden. And uh, we were up 2 nothing on them. And they came back in the third period and tied it up and then beat us in overtime. And it was the first game that Canada had lost in, I think, five years now at that point. Because this was the fifth year. And um, I remember thinking, holy crap, like I'm the captain of this team that just just blew that lead and now I'm sure everybody's losing their minds back home. Like we're not going to win all this stuff. And, and I think you're right. We were probably better on paper that year, but, but, um, but the team we had before was, was different. I don't know if it was the, if it was the, the other teams in the tournament, but, but the team we had before we were like, we were solid. <laughs> and so yeah. it was just a, it was a different, if different year, but I also knew that we had a lot of game breakers on our team. Um, a lot of guys that could step up and play and, and, and win us the, the game. So um, going into the, the, the medal rounds, I guess, um, we felt really, really confident. And then going into play Sweden again, it was the same thing. We felt really great. And then the game shaped up almost the exact same way, up to nothing. Sweden ties it in the third and we're going to overtime. And I, I remember thinking going into the dressing room like, like this is a really crappy position to be in, but there's no chance that we're going to let it happen twice. Right. Like it's, it almost, it almost never fails when the team that wins in the round Robin finds a way to lose in the medal round. You know, it's, it's the other team, just the team that lost them in the round Robin just finds a way to be just that much better. And, uh, and that's kind of the feeling that I had. And I think the rest of the room felt that way as well. And, and then, yeah, just dirty goal. That's that's overtime <laughs> for you, right? That's kind of what yeah. you expect. And, and that line especially, just just find a way to get the puck there and, and bang away. And so it, it was a it was a big, big relief for me as captain that we that we won that game. Um and and a different feel for the tournament because I had a bigger part uh throughout the entire thing. So I I I had really great memories from the first one, but uh but the second one meant just a little bit more, I think. Well, and in the 08 tournament year, you were already drafted fifth overall. I wanted to ask you about the draft. I mean, you mentioned there's there's not much social media like there is today. I mean, some of these, you know, I think uh, Trevor Zegras had a bunch of YouTube videos of himself as an 11-year-old kid, and then he gets drafted, and, and all that's coming out. We, uh, you know, you didn't have that. Um, but I wanted to ask you about uh, about the draft, and, and, you know, you went fifth overall, so I don't know how many teams you would have interviewed with but uh, Sean Bell told me a story it was actually Washington in 2003 uh, he walked in and he's, I think he said it was nine o'clock in the morning and they said good morning Sean how you doing uh, can we get you any, do you want a beer and he, he kind of had this like look on his face like well uh, you know how do I answer that do I say yes and it makes me look like I'm mature and one of the guys or do I say no because they think I'm an alcoholic drinking beer at 9 a.m did you have any stories of, of the draft where maybe you got a question or, or just something where they, they tried to throw you off of it and you were kind of going like, the, the, you know, is this the NHL? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Um, yes, actually. Uh, and it was with Washington. Um, so I, I, the funny thing is, so George McPhee's got a pretty, pretty hard exterior, right? We, we know him as a player. He was scrappy, like, like fought a lot. I don't know if he liked to fight, but he did fight a lot. Um, and, uh, and, and beneath that, he's an extremely kind and extremely funny person. And, uh, you just don't get to see that very often because he's, 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 he's all about business as well. And so, um, I'm imagining that some of these things came from him. Uh, the funny things that happened in the meetings, uh, putting the pieces together there now. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew where I was ranked and I, I met with LA, LA was fourth. Um, I met with them, I think three times. So it was, it was one more than every other team. Uh, one more than the, than, than the, some of the teams I met with. I didn't meet with anyone else more than two times. And so, um, I had a pretty good feeling about it, but, I wasn't positive. I knew they needed a defenseman. Um, and then my meeting with, uh, with Washington was at the combine and the room was packed. It was lunchtime and they had all just got subway. And so, um, so they're all kind of unwrapping their subs and, and just, you know, talking a little bit that one of the questions they asked me was, I said, one, one of us in here is Russian. Which one is it? And I'm just, I looked around the room and I'm like, look, I have no idea. Like that guy's got like nice, like gray slick back hair. Uh, I'm going to go with him and end up being Mike Vogel, who is, uh, who's been like a, a long time reporter with the team does, does, uh, he's in the room every single day and he's very far from Russian. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought that was kind of a funny thing. Then they asked me if I had a girlfriend, um, which I did. And they're like, Can we see a picture of her. <laughs> I just left never <laughs> picture. So they passed, passed my picture around to which I thought was really funny. Um, and then they asked me, um, at this whole time, like, like they're all eating lunch too. So they're only half paying attention. And then they asked me if I had a joke that I could tell them and, uh, similar thought process as, as Sean Bell. It's like, do I, I don't want to be a stiff, but I also want to be like, you know, kind of cool for them and all that. And I could not think of a joke. And the only joke I had was one I had heard in, uh, junior B, and uh, one of the things that they used to do in junior was everyone would stand up and tell a joke. And if it was a bad joke, you'd have to go and sit in the bathroom of a charter bus, which everyone knows is tiny. And you'd have to sit in the back until they could tell you, until they tell you to come out. And we had six, six or seven rookies that year. And all of us, but one were in the back of that bus in the bathroom at the exact same time. And it was the one guy who told this joke. And I will not repeat it. I haven't said it again yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, since that day because it is so offside that like I'm sick to my stomach that I even said this joke. And their reaction was dead silence. They didn't say a single <laughs> word, no laughs, nothing after the joke. And so I remember leaving that room being like, holy shit, I just screwed up my opportunity with, with the caps. Like, there you go. So I'm not going fifth overall. Um, so I leave that. And then as I'm leaving to, uh, from the hotel to the arena in Columbus, um, Kelly Buckberger comes up to me. I think he was at the time the head of player development. And he, he goes, shakes my hand. He says, hey, stick around till six and you're going to be an oiler. And I'm like, sweet. All right. So I'm going to either be an LA King or an Edmonton oiler. There we go. Um, so I get there. Uh, LA comes up and they kind of go off the board to draft, draft uh, Thomas Hickey. We had a great junior career, but he was – I think slated end of the first round and uh, I'm like, okay, there it is. Oilers and uh, caps go up 
and uh, McPhee, I think it was McPhee, goes goes up and says, um, Washington Capitals select from the London Knight, the Calgary hitman, uh, <laughs> Carl Alsner. And so he, he kind of messed up the delivery too. And it was, you know, like these things happen super fast, but you're still, you know, in the moment, you're thinking tons of thoughts. And so I was like, oh, okay, wait, what is that? Actually, did he mean to say Gagne? And and did he mess that up? Yeah. And, and anyways, I just I kind of got up and and went up there and did the stuff on stage. Came back and shake, going to shake everyone's hand around the table. And I said to them, I'm like, I cannot believe you guys drafted me after that joke I told you at the combine. And one of the guys pulls me in. He's like, I guess that shows you what kind of sense of humor we have. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, good to know. So that was that was it. a bit of a long story there, but there was a lot that went into that. Uh, into that draft and into the pick. So it was, it's kind of funny how it all uh, shook out there. Yeah. How many teams did he interview with ultimately? I think I was close to between 15 and 20. Um, a oh. lot of them were, a lot of, a lot of them started off as, you know, we're not sure that we're going to have a chance to, uh, to, to pick you, but we just wanted to, just in case that there's a, we make a trade or something like that. So there okay. was, there was a decent amount of them, but, um, they're all relatively the same. Some had three guys in the room. Some had 10, you know, it was just kind of depending on the team and whatever their strategy was to, uh, to interview guys. I, I would, I would assume the ones that, you know, where they, where they knew they probably gonna have an opportunity to pick the player. They had more guys in the room just to get a feel for it. And, and other ones, uh, not so much. Yeah. Uh, you made your, your debut 2008, 2009 season. You scored your first goal. Uh, do you remember who it was on? Uh, yeah, yes, it was on, uh, Vesa, no, uh, yeah, Toskala, I think in Toronto, I get, uh, I get him, uh, the name mixed up with, uh, Thomas Bocoon, which I know it wasn't him because I played with him, but yeah, Toskala in Toronto, hockey night in Canada. My dad was there and, um, I didn't actually score the goal, <laughs> which is probably the best thing about that whole thing is, is Ovi tipped it. Um, but he was adamant okay. that he didn't touch it, but I was pretty certain that he did tip it. Um, but anyways, they gave it to me and it was, it worked out great because Toronto was my, uh, with them and the Canucks were my two favorite teams growing up. And so the fact that I scored there with my dad there, um, which was, I think the first game that he got to see me play and the Leafs were his favorite team growing up too. So okay. it was, it was kind of, it's kind of neat how it all happened, but yeah, it was, it was a fun time. I think what I'm going to do, Carl, is I'm going to edit your earlier clip of you talking about shooting the puck like Taves. And I'm going to put it in right when you talked about scoring that goal so that it's uh, sounds like a snapshot uh, top shelf or something like that. Um, yes, exactly. The, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact you were also part of, of Hershey Bears. They, they went back to back um, and you were, you know, still pretty, pretty young at that point, too. Um, what what do you think that experience did for you just to, to reach that next level? great it, it, the, so the american league is is really it's strange especially as a young player um so my first year that i was there i after after training camp with the caps i had a pretty good year uh a pretty good sorry uh, camp and exhibition uh the last last game of exhibition me and chris bork were roommates um at camp and and we're just we were going into the game we're like hey like we got to have a really good game and we might have a chance here to make this team and so we went out there i had two assists he had a goal and an assist and and we get back after and or we're, we're leaving the rink and, and a, a couple guys got called into the office and, um, and we didn't. And so we're like, holy crap, like we maybe, I think we just made this team. Like they didn't, they didn't kick us out yet. And uh, tomorrow's team bonding, uh, the team bonding trip. 
and I'm like thinking to myself, holy crap, like I did it. And, um, and then the next day, uh, the morning of, uh, I get called into the office as well as Chris Bork and one other guy, Quentin Lang, the last three guys that were there. And, um, and I remember they just said to me, like, look, you, you, you did enough to make this team, but we are too tight up against the cap and we need to start the year with six defensemen instead of seven. And I was just like, Oh crap. Like we negotiated pretty heavily to get these, these B bonuses in this contract. And now that's the reason why I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be able to start the year. And so the thought that goes through your head as you go down to the minors is this, this pisses me right off. You know, like I, I should be on that team right now. And now I'm, now I'm down here and I got to find a way to get back up there and, and you're, and you're kind of bitter. Right. And, and guys will go two different ways with it. They'll, they'll suck and they won't try hard <laughs> thinking that they don't, they shouldn't be there or they'll, they'll find a way to get out of there. And, um, and so in my head, I was thinking, I don't, I don't want to be here, but I knew that I needed to play good because there was still, you know, other guys that young guys that, uh, that would take my spot. So it was, it was the weirdest, uh, just the weirdest feeling. I ended up getting called up uh, right at American Thanksgiving um got to go on the trip to vancouver uh for rookie party so my best buddy got to come to the come to the rookie party and everything which was which was crazy but the teams we had in hershey i, I mean it almost wasn't fair like we yeah. had so many good players there that we were we were just crushing teams um we had a guy score 61 goals the one year um we had another guy um keith coin i think he had did like 90 something assists. Uh, it was, it was just wild. And so the first year we beat Manitoba, um, in the final, which was Vancouver's uh, farm team. And, um, I had, a, I got a concussion in the second round of the playoffs. So I didn't play any of the third round and I missed the, I think I missed a couple, a game or two maybe in the finals. And the crazy thing is I can't tell you a single thing that happened in that final. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember lifting the cup. I don't remember celebrating. I don't remember anything. It was it was the weirdest feeling. Um, so I thought that was kind of. Uh, I just I maybe just goes to show you what what concussions can do to you, and when you come back, maybe a little bit too early. Um, so I thought that was strange. And then the next year, same thing. Like we were, we were killing everybody, and we had so the playoffs. Sorry, this is, this is, these are windy stories, but no, I no, like I love it. Uh, it's kind of interesting to know. Um, so me and Carlson were up at the Caps. We, we lost to Montreal, uh, that big upset series with uh, Yaroslav Black. And um, we come back uh, to play, I think it was Albany. And we beat Albany in four games. And so we have the scheduling in the American League sometimes is crazy. And so we had uh, 13 days off in between that series and the next series. And so our coaching staff is kind of didn't really know how to play that. Right. Like Hershey, there's not a ton to do. Um, and so they're like, you know what, you guys can have seven days off, go ahead and do whatever you want. If you want to go back home, go ahead, vacation, go ahead, but come back ready to play. And so guys were, guys were at home partying. They were we went to Florida. We, we got back and guys had such bad sunburns that they could barely even put their shoulder pads on. And uh, we come back after that for the next series, which I don't really remember who it was against. And I think we won that one in four or five. And um, so we had another 11 days off 
And so they're like, well, go ahead, take another five or six days, do what you need to do and, and come back. And so we were having just a blast, but we had a golf tournament. One of the guys on the team, actually, we were sitting around one of the holes and he had flip-flops on and someone hit a, just a bomb came down, landed right on his foot, broke his foot. <laughs> oh <laughs> like a few God. days before the <laughs> series was supposed to start, he ended up playing still anyways. And, uh, and so we're going into play Texas and, uh, Texas had Jamie Ben and Jamie Ben was lighting it up in the playoffs. He was like way better than everybody else. And, uh, and so it was mine and, and Carlson's job to try and shut him down. And so at this point we hadn't lost a single game at home in the playoffs. And, uh, so we come into the game and we're playing the first two at home. And then the next three are going to be in Texas and we lose the first two games at home at giant center in Hershey. Um, I don't think, I don't think Jamie had a point though, which was a good, a good thing. Me and Carly were pretty happy about that, but we still lost two games and we we're just, we were all thinking, Holy smokes. Like we're going into to Texas, um, down to nothing. And we got to play three games here. And, um, during this playoff, I was having, a, a, an issue that I thought was a flexibility issue that I couldn't, I was having a hard time stretching my uh, my hamstring on my left side, and I was like, "Oh, what the heck! Like all these all these days off must be messing with my uh, my flexibility." And I was just, I couldn't lift my leg up like past you know my knee essentially. And um, so as the playoffs are going on, it's getting worse and worse, and I didn't really know what it was. Um, we go into Texas and we win three straight in Texas, and we come back home the giant center and then we win again uh i think i don't i can't remember what the score was but i think three defensemen scored to win that game okay. and we and we and we win the win the calder again that one i remember way way better but after that um we we have fun for the next couple of days don't really think much and then moving out of my apartment and then the next day i wake up and i can't get out of bed and I, my back is on fire. I have no idea what's going on. I asked the training staff and they take me in for an x-ray. They think maybe I have a stress fracture or something like that. Um, and so they're just like, yeah, no, no fract fracture. You're fine. Go ahead, go home. So I get home, get off the plane. And now all of a sudden my whole left leg is tingling. Right. And so I try and go get an MRI. I can't sit still in the MRI machine or lay long enough for them to get an accurate picture. Um, so I finally go see this guy back in Vancouver, uh, he's a family, family friend and a uh, very good physiotherapist by the name of Rick Celebrini. And he's like, he does, has a couple tests that I do. And, uh, he's like, you've got, you've got like pretty severely herniated discs in your back. And, oh, wow. uh, t- took me for another x-ray and it was, yeah, like the bottom two L4, uh, L4, L5, I think it was. Um, and he's like, we need to, decide now like are we going to do surgery or are we going to try and rehab these because at that point i had lost all feeling from my knee down and uh i'm i'm like oh crap i don't want to do a back surgery i'm 20 20 years old 21 years old i'm supposed next year's supposed to be my first full year in the nhl like i don't think i'm going to do it and so we ended up going full summer five days a week hard rehab didn't lift any weights didn't get on the ice until a week and a half before training camp started um and ended up just getting the okay to to take part in camp it was the best i ever felt in a in a a, a season all we did was core exercises all summer and pretty much like wall sits 
and uh, and never had any more issues from the back after that, and and was completely fine. So it was it was weird from going from like a, a really high high of, of winning Calder Cup to like a super low, um, knowing that I'm not going to be able to train all summer and and may have to get back surgery, and ended up being okay. So it was it was just weird how I went from went from you know playing the minors there to injury to end up playing a full season in the NHL and, and being okay. So just goes to show you like how it doesn't matter what age you are you can have some weird stuff crop up and and you got to find a way around it and find the right people to help you so yeah it was uh it was it was really nice to have uh have rick and other guy eddie cannon were the two guys that that got me back that's such yeah it's got to be such a stressful feeling too right fifth overall pick you're like you said 21 years old you're kind of going oh geez like yeah absolutely and and the other thing too and i, I don't know if this had anything to do with it but i i so my trainer, I mean, I don't want to give this guy too much airtime because it's one of the few people that I butted heads with really badly over my career. It was a trainer in Hershey, but he thought I was faking my uh, concussion in the playoffs the okay. one year. And yeah. so it really pissed me off because that's the last thing that I would do. And then I had this injury that was kind of misdiagnosed in Hershey as well. Um, so I was I was kind of pissed off about it. And I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact that when whenever I got injured after that, I was gonna do absolutely everything possible to continue playing through it. I don't want anyone to ever think I'm faking an injury again or or a band-aid, you know. So that ended up kind of maybe maybe toughening me up uh a little bit more uh after that for, for the rest of my career. I wanted to ask you just uh, just about a couple of teammates you had. I mean the obvious one, Alex Ovechkin. Um you come into the league, you know, you're you're I guess your rookie year, I mean thirty thirty games. Um he had just come off of a 65 goal season. Uh, you come in, I mean, back then he was, he was Dwayne, the rock Johnson. He was the most electrifying hockey player uh, in the NHL, you know, the yellow laces, the tinted visor, all that. Uh, what was your first impression of, of Alex when you, you walk into the room as a young, young defenseman? It was, it was awesome because I, um, the, the year that him and uh, Crosby came into the league, uh, you know, well, at the time, Washington and Pittsburgh were not two teams that I ever paid attention to. And then I found myself every single morning opening up, you know, the, the, the web NHL website to see what, what did Sid and what did Alex do last night? Like how many points did they get? Whatever, what was going on? And so I followed them so closely after that, just because it was amazing for all of us to see. Um, and then I get there and he's clearly looks different than everybody else. Like you said, yellow laces, tinted visor, like there's kind of a, bit of an unwritten rule that you know uniforms are supposed to look this way it, he had the, the wrong color tape on his shin pads like all that stuff right and um so i just remember just paying attention see what he's like and he's very outspoken big headphones on singing out loud for everybody to hear during the before games and stuff like that it was just so different than what i was used to that like, you couldn't help but but watch and see what was going on you always hope that he wouldn't catch you staring because you know, you, you didn't want to look like you were just watching him the whole time, but you just get no idea what he was going to do next. So you didn't want to miss it, right? It was very interesting. And then to see what he did on the ice, I mean, we all saw that. To see it up close was was crazy. And then to also see how, like, we had a good, we had a crew of, of play, young players at the time um, that, I don't know, I guess you expect when you get to the NHL that everything is just 100% all business, all the time, no fun. It's like, you know, just nose down and work. These guys had so much fun, like joking around all day, you know, going to eat fast food. Like we were all going out to, to McDonald's or whatever it was and, 
and having fun and, you know, going out to nice dinners on the road and, and staying up a little later than you'd expect and, and then come to the rink the next day and, and still, well, those guys still put up a ton of points and be, be that good. I'm just like, how is this possible? Like it goes against everything you'd expect yeah. of a professional athlete. But, but I think looking back on it, it's like, I think the fact that they were just enjoying everything really, really made a big difference. And, uh, and, and that's just the way the team was. And I think still to this day, the, the that organization has a bit of a reputation of being like a, a really fun place to play. And, and Alex has a lot to do with that because, uh, you know, when, when it comes down to it, he takes things really serious, but he also, really loves to have fun and that's uh i think that kind of settles everybody down the the fact that he drinks di- uh, dr pepper on the bench is just it's like i i can't soda doesn't sit well with me anyways usually but the, i couldn't imagine playing a game 20 minutes a night uh on a stomach full of carbonated uh soda so i know it's pretty funny like he, when i saw they used to have a, a water bottle and i accidentally took a drink out of it one time on the bench that had, <laughs> had that and i was like what the heck is this and figured out that that's what they were having and i'm like oh well if they're doing it then i'd always crack one in between intermissions too then i'd have like I, i'll do it in the intermission like during the game i'm not so sure but it was uh it ended up being like you know just one of the things that you always have a you always have a pop on you at some point during a game and it was that was weird, but it worked. <laughs> uh, another legend of this team, who, who's going to be, you know, I'm sure we'll have his jersey retired, Nick Backstrom. <laughs> and Backstrom, uh, I was curious to to hear your thoughts on the fact that for so long he's been so um, underrated in a way. Like he he fought, and I think he likes it that way from from what you kind of pick up on. But did it kind of irritate the team sometimes when the conversation of best centermen, best playmakers? I mean, out here in Vancouver, we had Henrik Sedin, who for a while flew under the radar, um, and, and Backstrom was was kind of doing the same thing. Like he was getting 100 points a year and, and 70 to 80 assists a season. Uh, did you guys kind of take that personally as a team, or, or was it kind of like, you know what, it, it's kind of good that he's under the radar, and, and then he'll go out and, and light it up? Yeah, it was it was a big frustration for a lot of us. Um, we wanted him so badly to to uh, be recognized for what he did because not only is he an unbelievable player, he's a, a, a an amazing human being, like such a good person. Very, very fun to be around. Um, very kind, but at the same time, isn't afraid to like chirp you and, and have a good time. Um, I always make sure I say this story whenever I get a chance is, is when I, when I officially knew what kind of guy he was, it was, it was this play where um, someone shot a puck out. The other team had their, had their net, the net empty someone shot it out it banked off the wall and was going was going in and and nick was was he he went to go he could go pick up the puck on a breakaway and just tap this in and instead of doing that he skated behind the puck as as one of the other team's defensemen was coming to try and try and get it out of out of out of the way and nick just stayed in front of him lifted his stick make sure he couldn't touch the puck and nick didn't touch it at all he just yeah. let the puck go in and he could have just grabbed it and shot it in from just inside the blue line but he wouldn't do it he let the other guy uh, get the goal. He didn't get an assist on on it. Nothing. It was it was a nothing play. But to me, I remember thinking like that. that there's 100% of the players would just get that puck and pop it in the net, and he he wouldn't even do that. He wanted someone else to have it. And I'm just like this guy is seriously like perfect. Like what? I don't know. I don't know how he even thinks of that. So so I just I just feel like it was it was unfortunate that he didn't get as much recognition. But like you said, he uh, he didn't need it. I don't think he wants it. Um, 
It's not something that he's going to look back on in his career and think, oh, I really wish my name would have been talked about a little bit more because his, his stats uh, speak for themselves and his, um, yeah, uh, his reputation around the league speaks for itself. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was, he is amazing. And if you ask anyone that played with him or against him a lot, they'll, they'll tell you that, that it was, uh, it's a sight to see. That's the guy that can pass like that, think the game the way he does. And, um, I don't, I don't mean this as a as a, a chirp, but uh, be as responsible for his line mates that he had to play with <laughs> as he was. It was pretty pretty remarkable. And the last guy uh, I wanted to ask you about Tom Wilson. Um, and I, I mean, you left uh, 2017, so even after that, I think Wilson had some some pretty lengthy suspensions. But I mean, he was a first round pick, and then he was sort of brought into the league you know those those penalty minute totals his first few years were like 180 200 pims and um what's something that people should know about him because he, he seems like he's pretty okay being the villain now but maybe as a, a 20 year old was it kind of tough for him like to handle all this negative energy and, and negative press i mean it's not his fault he's 6'4 220 and and just likes to hit people <laughs> but um you know what, what's what's the story with tom it's it's tough because so you're right like tom is a specimen right he's fast he's strong he's smart he's got good skill um so when he hits somebody it it hurts you know blows them up it, it, it there's like there's just nothing there's no way around it um it, you and when it's in you to be able to find those spots where guys are you know head down not paying attention you can separate a man from the puck it's hard to not take that opportunity the issue is that when he takes that opportunity, guys get hurt. And so, so he's, I, he's a type of guy that, that, um, you know, he, he doesn't want to be known as a bad guy and he is not a bad guy. And that's the problem. So he's, he's not a bad guy and he doesn't want to be known as a bad guy, but everybody thinks he's a bad guy. And so every opportunity I have to defend him, I try and do that with, with uh, other teammates that I had in, in Montreal and stuff. And they're all saying that, he's awful, I hate him, this and that. And I'm like, God, you guys, like, just, you just need, you need half an hour with this guy hang out. And, and I promise you, your opinion will be changed. Um, and so he's kind of taken that trajectory similar to almost like, like a Lucic, you know, he came in and, and had to carve out a role as, as a, as a tough guy. Um, and then found a way to, to still put pucks in the net and, and turn into a fan favorite. And so, you know, the, the Caps are very, very lucky to have him. Um, but I think when you get suspended and you get, you get, you know, you get chirped by that many people, it takes a toll on you mentally. Um, and I, I can't, I can't speak for him. I have no idea how he's, um, how he's taking that now, but, you know, I would assume that it had to, it had to change him a fair bit. You know, it hardens you when, when you hear that all the time. And he definitely, I think has let, let up on some of the physicality, but, um, lucky for him, he's still extremely skilled and can can play top line minutes and doesn't have to go out there and hit and fight and still be very successful. So um, I'd just say for for anybody who has a really bad opinion on him, I understand because he's hurt a lot of players in the league. But um, uh, I can tell you that that's not the type of person he is. And he is actually a really, really great guy and a really great teammate to have. And and to stop and think for a second, man, how much you'd love to have him on your team because guaranteed you would be, you would probably go and buy a Tom Wilson jersey if he was, if he was part of your organization. 
Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a longtime Caps fan and, and yeah, that was exactly, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, you want to have a guy like that, right? He's such a unicorn. Um, who was your favorite defense partner you ever played with? Or maybe, maybe the guy that brought the best out of you. Um, that, that'd probably be Matt Neskinen. You know, I played a ton with Carly um, and, and I loved playing with him. We were, you know, we, we could read off each other really well. And um, you never felt, I never felt bad if I did something bad, you know, cause I, I knew he wasn't going to be like, you know, you, you suck or whatever. It's not, not how, um, how our pairing worked, but, um, the one year we got split up when we had Matt Neskin and Brooks Orphic come in. And I remember my initial thought being like, what, like, why are you splitting us up? Like, we played together already for, for six or seven years. Like, how could you do that? It sucks. And then, um, I think both those guys brought out the best in, in us. You know, I think, I think Carly changed as a defenseman playing with Orphy and, and I did with, with Niski. Um, Niski is, he's so solid. He's similar to, to, to like a backy, um, where he's, kind of flying under the radar we do one-on-one drills two-on-twos three-on-twos whatever in practice and 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 his stick was phenomenal like he yeah. no one could have any opportunity they couldn't even get in, in into the zone he was so good at stopping guys outside the zone with his body positioning and uh and and how he would use his stick that it was just crazy i got to learn so much from him um and he gave me also a little bit of freedom to you know, not like I started playing offensive at all, but just a little bit more freedom to try some things out there, knowing that he was a little less offensive minded than, than John was and that he would most likely be back there uh, just in case I tried to do something crazy out there and, and screwed it up. And so I think, I think he, he definitely brought out the best in my game and, and I believe the same thing uh, with Carly. So yeah, we we was lucky that I had a chance to play with him um, for, for a year there and, feel bad for philly that he uh up and retired the way he did but if you if you know Nisky, that's that's him for you he uh he he's when his decision is made his decision is made and, and he's gonna go and do his thing so it's uh it's pretty funny he was a great guy i drove i drove with him to the rink every single day too so uh so we had reported a pretty good relationship pretty fast is he a man of few words? Because one of the, the things I saw uh, in one of the playoff series, I don't remember what year, but, you know, you're going through the handshake line at the end of the series and guys are, you know, you have those moments, maybe it's 10 seconds here, 15 seconds here. And the, the camera was I probably following Ovechkin or something and Niskanen was right behind him and he was stone faced and he just he would shake hands. You go, good series, good series. Didn't matter if it was the 13th forward or if it was Sidney Crosby, it was Good series. And he just, and I thought it was the funniest thing because all these guys are, are having emotion of either a win or a loss. And he just, it was like, he just wanted to get out of the building. Uh, but yeah. you know, that, that might've just been him kind of just exhausted and, and wanting to get off the ice. And he knows most of those guys too, right? A lot of those guys were his ex teammates. So the fact that he would just go by and say good series, that just sums up what, what Nisky's like. I, so like I said, we drove to the ring together and I'm, I'm, for the most part, a pretty talkative guy, you know, maybe, maybe not all the time, but if I'm one-on-one with somebody, uh, I like to have conversation and, uh, we'd be driving to the rink and I would, I would say something to him and, you know, uh, an, a question that wouldn't necessarily need an answer, like a full explanation, but, uh, but still you expect a little bit of an explanation and Nisky a lot of times would just be like, yep. And then that's it. Just a, yeah. Or sometimes it would even just be a head nod. It wouldn't even be a yeah. 
and I just feel like, okay, I just, this guy must just not like me because he's not talking to me at all. That was my impression. And then as the season went on, I started to realize that that's, that's just him, right? He's very thoughtful. He, he is one of the, one of the few guys that when a reporter asks a question to him, he doesn't just start talking. He'll sit there and think about it for a second and, and, really formulate his answer the way that he wants it to come out and then give it to you. And I always thought that that was, that was really cool. Um, Cause I'm not typically that way. I, I get going right away. And, and then sometimes I maybe give more information than I should. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, I, I thought that was really cool about him. Very, very, very few words. Um, so when they do come out they're they're either meant to be heard or they're meant to, to laugh at. <laughs> so yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that about him. Uh, last question about the Caps. You set the Caps record for most consecutive games. Um, you you, you kind of touched on it, I guess, with uh, the Hershey injury. But what was the key to the longevity for you? Uh, I Honestly, I'd say the key was luck. I was so lucky with some of these injuries that I had. Um, like, if I would have had that back injury during during the season, there's just nothing I could have done. There's I, I couldn't have played through it. Um, so the injuries that I that I did have were were ones that were playable you know like they were they were broken hands and fingers um and uh you know oblique strained muscles things like that nothing nothing torn or broken leg you know something that i that i couldn't get through um and and that some some guys just have terrible luck that way where there's just you know they get hit with a weird a weird puck somewhere they step weird on somebody and next thing you know they've they've got an injury that's not really playable. And so I didn't have that. Um, I, I worked really hard in the, in the summers to, to make sure I was in great shape. And as, as me and Beagle worked out together, we, as we would say, we try and get as bulletproof as possible. And, and that was, that was always our goal. So that maybe had something to do with it, but, but overall, yeah, I, I was, I was very fortunate. Um, it wasn't until, wasn't until my, well, actually, the last two playoffs with the Caps, when when I had injuries that that weren't playable, really, I had my um, the the last game against Philadelphia in the playoffs, in uh, I guess it was the year Pittsburgh won their first cup. Um, I ended up uh, tearing my ab um, in that game, and then I was I didn't practice for the rest of the playoffs. I would just hobble around the rink, and then we have to uh, freeze all the nerves in my, in my ab uh, before every single game. And, uh, and then that just kind of took its toll on me because, because I was playing not knowing that I had any pain. And then eventually my groin gave out and tore that as well in the last game, game six against Pittsburgh. And so, you know, I go back and look at it thinking, you know, man, if, if I would have been, hundred percent, would it have made any difference? I have no idea. You know, it's Crosby and Malkin, two of the best players to play the game. And then, and then me trying to shut them down. Would it have made any difference? I have no idea uh, enough to, to change the series. Probably not, but you know, I always think about that. You know, I, I wish I would have been a hundred percent, but that was the last game of the playoffs. So I, I ended up getting through all those games. And then the next year, first period, first game, first round against Toronto, just the harmless wrist shot from the point that, I decide to bat down with the inside of my glove instead of the outside of my glove. And it just blew up my, uh, my, what we call the metatarsal, like the middle yeah. of your hand just blew up those bones where once one sat up on top of the other. Like if you could imagine if someone, someone 
drove a golf ball and you caught it in the palm of your hand and you just had like a circle of a golf ball on the inside of your hand that's what it looked like it was it was blown out the back i had these this massive bump out the back and i remember thinking like how is this possible that this happened like from the most routine of block shots and it was my top hand too so it was really really frustrating and so we finished that game and then the next game was you know uh, two nights later and and um we just do the same stuff ice it and then and then get back out there and it was so painful and i was it was the weird weird thing was it was like it was a target after that like i was getting hit by sticks on the bench right on my hand you know like <laughs> the same spot and then the uh, trainer just said to me he said to me he's like as long as you can keep the swelling down then and you can deal with the pain you can continue to play and so we show up in toronto for game 3 and I walk in and I know my hand doesn't look right, but I'm trying to hide it as much as possible. And, uh, and the trainer just says like, Hey, let's, let's see what it looks like. And, uh, so I pull it out of my pocket and it looked like a boxing glove. It looked like I was oh. wearing a boxing glove on my hand. And he's like, look, you can't, like, we just can't do this anymore. We need to think about, about surgery. And I'm like, no, I'm not getting surgery because our team is really good this year. We may have a chance to, to go deep and if i get surgery i know i'm done for the for the playoffs and so he's like he's like all right i I, i've known you long enough now that i'm not going to talk you out of it so just just let's work on the swelling so i just 24 7 working on getting swelling down we always we'd call it you'd go in for your morning handshake where the trainer would just try and massage all the swelling out so if you can imagine a, a broken hand and he's trying to squeeze your hand as much as possible to get the swelling out of there that's what we would just do all day long I'd sleep with a game ready, which is like a, like a ice, ice pack, a machine ice pack, um, on my hand and this other system that we had. And, uh, after game, after game four, I got the swelling down to a reasonable spot, but, uh, the coaches, Trotsy, um, just kind of said like, Hey, like we're, we're in a good spot right now against the Leafs. I don't, we don't think we're going to lose this series. Let's just keep you out. And so, um, they kept me out for that whole series, and then uh, and then we're going to play Pittsburgh Penguins again. Here we go, and um, it was the same thing. They're like, you know what? Let's just let's just hold off. Let's see how the team plays. Uh, give you a couple more days uh, to rest that thing, and so we lose the first two games against uh, in uh, at home against Pittsburgh, and I'm just sitting there like, you know, I'm good enough to play. Like I I can figure this out, and. Uh, and then after that game, Trotsky came up and he's like, hey, like we, okay, we need you. We can't wait any longer. And uh, so we went back and played. We got that series back to, um, to I think we to game, I think we went to game seven in that one. But I remember yeah. thinking that there was, a, there was a specific play where if I had full range of motion with that hand, I would have been able to get a stick on a puck, a pass. And, uh, and Hornquist ended up getting, uh, getting it and it ended up going in on a breakaway. My deep partner was off on the side and, and I'm like, oh, if I could have got that, I would have stopped that. And they would have went up in that game. And I think they ended up winning that game. And so it was just one of those things again, where at the end of the season, I'm like, if I was hundred percent, would it have made any difference? I don't know, but I'm always going to think, think back to that, you know? And so I just said, I went for uh, through a career of, of not having really any injuries to two pretty, pretty significant injuries in the playoffs of all time. So once again, long winded answer, I was extremely lucky until I wasn't, and and timing was 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 unfortunately really bad. Yeah. 
The uh, I wanted to ask you about Montreal and and it's I mean again I've interviewed guys that play in the NHL and it's it's almost kind of a stupid question to ask because um, you know you ask what what made you sign in Montreal I'm sure the 23 million didn't hurt but uh, to, for you to go from Washington where it's not just the Capitals it's the whatever their football team is called now you got the Nationals you got the Wizards you're not just going to a hockey town you're going to the hockey town in Montreal. Uh, but what was it about Montreal that, that made you, uh, you know, aside from the, the 23 mil, just jump into that 06 market and, uh, you know, uh, especially coming from the West Coast, I don't know how good your French was. I know mine was always terrible. So, yes, it's mine terrible as well. Um, this, this could be, this could be a, an hour long answer. So I'll try and, I'll try and cut it off as much as possible to get to the point. Um, Free agency for a lot of guys isn't exactly what you think it's going to be. Um, you know, things things open up and things shut down really, really quick. Um, and uh, everyone's panicking to get their player. Every team is panicking, panicking to get their player as fast as possible. Plus, the player wants to have a deal, you know, that they're happy with as soon as possible. And so, um, you have a list on a no trade, like a no trade uh, clause that you have, and so you give your list every single year. And uh, my uh, one of my top teams on that no trade was Montreal every single year. I'm not going to Montreal. There's no chance. It's not a market that that I think would suit me. Um, I don't speak any French. Uh, I'm not. I'm not doing it. And so free agency comes around, and I was. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to sign with the Caps. I I uh, I really wanted to stay there, and I just knew that they had no cap space and needed to sign Orlov and Kuznetsov that summer too. So it wasn't going to happen. So I had, I had come to terms with that. Um, but then I was, I was dead set on signing with, uh, Dallas at the time. And so this was the year of the expansion draft as well. Right. So, yeah. so Vegas went out there. Um, George, uh, George McPhee, obviously really well. Um, sorry, my, my car shut off. If, uh, if the sound is changing or whatever. Um, so I knew George McPhee really well. And uh, I was like, I would love to go to Vegas. I think it's going to be an awesome, an awesome place to play. Um, familiarity there, but they just drafted pretty much every single defenseman out there, and they got like 13 D. They need to do something with them. And so, so I was like, it's probably not going to happen. So I have this, uh, I have this uh, meeting set up. I'm, I'm going to be flying. See how that goes. And my agent says, hey, let's. You should go to uh, go to Montreal. They're really interested. I'm like, no, there's no point. Like, I'm Dallas, my top three. I, I'll just, I'll just go there. And like, no, it's, it's just good for optics. You know, go to Montreal. There'll be some buzz around there. Um, it's a good thing to do. And I'm like, all right, if you think so, then, then we'll go to Montreal. And so we, we change our trip to Dallas. We fly into Montreal instead. And uh, I get a call that night saying, hey, uh, Dallas actually just uh, picked up Mark Mathot from Vegas. Uh, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that's, yeah, that's my right there right and 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 now now dallas has just filled that slot so i was to say upset was it would be an understatement that that had happened and then um and so we finished our meeting um i when we got out of the airport we step outside of an airport a car crashes right in front of us and i'm like if that's not a sign i don't know what is right <laughs> We're at the practice facility finishing our meeting and there's like fans driving by, like giving thumbs up and stuff to us. And I'm like, no, this just isn't for me. Like we're not, 
we're not doing this. And so the day finishes or whatever. Um, and I get a call from, uh, from Nashville, which was also in my top three. Um, I speak with, uh, with David Poyle, Peter Laviolette got, I got pretty good vibe from them, but I also knew that, uh, that they had, um, Yossi, Ekholm, uh, Ellis, Subban as their top four. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'm probably going to go in as the fifth or sixth defenseman right away, right? The contract isn't as good as what Montreal is offering, but it's no tax. It's a place I really want to go to. So I think I should probably, you know, think about this. And then I get put on a, uh, a one-hour timer from Montreal saying you need to make your decision. Uh, one hour otherwise we need to go and find somebody else and i'm like i'm like like okay like that's kind of interesting i didn't know that was going to happen so um so we talked about it some more there isn't i to my understanding there isn't any other offers i know there was rumors going around that chicago had made an offer and as far as i know they didn't make an offer um colorado was originally in the mix and then ended up not and and then um I'm like, you know what I'm thinking? Let's just, let's just do this Nashville thing. I think that would be, that'd be fun. And my agent says, uh, okay, you have, you got, uh, you got to make your decision now. I'm not sure. What do you want to do? I'm like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> happening. And he's like, he's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, probably Nashville. He's like, he's like, you're going to be the fifth defenseman right off the bat. You know, you, you're going into the lockout potential lockout year with, uh, with no contract. Cause it was only a four year offer. And, uh, and then you may be out of the league just like that. And I'm like, Oh geez, well, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound very good. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's go back and find something. He calls me back 10 minutes later. He's like, all right, there's nothing else out there. And I'm like, nothing else out there. The entire league, there's nothing there. He's like, no, nothing. And I'm like, so what do we do? He's like, I can call Montreal back and see if that offer is still on the table. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess so. I guess let's, let's do that. So he called back. They said, yeah, we'll, we'll uh we'll still offer that deal and I'm like, all right let's sign it so and then i signed it and uh within minutes of me signing that contract i had probably 30 text messages i had non-stop phone calls and i'm like who the heck is calling me like i have how does anyone have my number it would not stop not long enough for me to even send a message right i couldn't even get a message out so i had to go on my computer and email the one number I had from the lady who set up my uh, trip to Montreal. And I just said, yeah. So she just said, uh, she said, Oh yeah, we do have a PR guy. Um, I'll just, I'll send him a message right now. So I guess she, she had to call him or text him. And, uh, and then all the, all the calls and messages stopped, um, you know, just right after that. So I was like, this is, this is nuts. Um, so the only thing that was good that I could think of was I knew, uh, you know, I knew price and whatever a little bit, and I'm like, okay, well, at least I got, he's got a couple guys there that, that I can, uh, can bounce a few things off of. And the team had a, they had a pretty good team last year. And then, um, a couple guys didn't end up signing with the team that I was told we're going to sign. Um, and oh. so all of a sudden it was looking a little different than expected. And then I was getting questions from the media at the golf tournament, uh, saying like, you know, you got some big shoes to fill and and um andre markov and you know he had thir- whatever 25 goals last year and i'm like hold on one second you guys know you guys know i'm not andre markov right just let's be clear that's not the type of player i am and i wasn't brought in to do those things um 
and they were like oh, laughing like yeah yeah no we know but contract this and that and i'm like holy crap like this is gonna be this is gonna be tough and then our team was brutal we were we were just so disorganized it was it was painful man it was hard to come to the rink every day and, and go from like i said earlier being in washington where everyone just has so much fun to uh coming into the rink and not knowing how everybody's mood is going to be and and we just lost the night before, so probably not good. And you're getting stared down by management and stuff. And it's like, it was painful, man. So the, the contract was great. Don't get me wrong. I was happy to uh, to be able to get that. But I've said this before, and it, it is no word of a lie. Like I would I would give back every dollar to go back and do things over again <laughs> because you know and, and it ended up being the end of ended up being the end of my career as well same yeah. thing that we talked about nashville maybe being so yeah it's it's pretty uh it's pretty crazy how it how it turned that fast but uh but yeah is uh free agency is not not always what everybody thinks it's gonna be no i know Gaudreau said that uh this year he said you know he him being a top top name he said i thought everyone was going to be calling me he goes i had like three or four offers you know and and uh yeah. I'm sure the cap plays a part of that as well, but um, you've been awesome, Carl. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but the last thing I wanted to ask you is just, you know, the last couple of years of your career really have been COVID injuries, you know, all these, these different uh, things that are, are out of your control. Um, you know, as, as you said, before we started recording, you're, you're unofficially retired. Uh, what's, what's next for you, man, if, if this truly is it? Yeah, well, I mean, it is it. I say unofficial because I, uh, I was kind of just waiting for my my buyout to end with Montreal and then officially retire. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm done for sure playing hockey. I play men's league now with some buddies here in Washington every Sunday. We actually just lost the championship this last Sunday. I was at uh, my wife booked um, booked us uh, or got us tickets to go to see a musical the same night that our championship game was. So oh. unfortunately I didn't get to take part in that. It would have been fun. Um, so there, there's that. I'm trying to somewhat stay involved in, in hockey um, without being directly involved with the team, because I was always told that if you, if you leave hockey, it's really hard to come back um, and, and somehow find a, find a job. So I didn't working with a team, it, it's full time and it's travel and, and a lot of that and I got young kids so it wasn't really in the cards for me uh to do that so I thought maybe I'd try the media route a little bit um started a podcast as well called All's Caps it's uh you know if you're a Caps fan which you are you know that All Caps is kind of the slogan here so they thought it would be funny to do uh, the, the beginning of my last name um so we do that um and then I've done a few uh few games as an analyst on NBCSN which uh, which is actually quite fun, but it's always weird. It's weird going from a player to a member of the media. It's like going yeah. from one side to the dark side, uh, <laughs> what, what a lot of players would say. So, you know, that that's been an interesting transition. I'm not sure if that's long term for me or not. But uh, there's that, and then me and actually Braden Holpe are starting a. Uh, we're not sure if we're going to start our own foundation, but we're going to do a charity. We got a charity uh, slow pitch tournament that we're in the, the middle of planning right now for next, uh, next summer, which is actually really exciting because it's different than your standard golf tournament. Um, and actually I've, I've borrowed the idea from Blake Como and Josh Georges who do a great one in Kelowna every year. I had so much fun playing in it that, um, I'm like, this is, this is something we need to bring to more, 
more places and, and this area is a pretty big baseball area. So, so we do that. And then finally, I, well, not finally, I coach little league uh, for my kids um, help with T-ball and I help with uh, my one son's hockey team as well. And then um, my old neighbor from here, he works for a uh, tech company and they sponsored me for a visa to come back. So that's, that's how I was oh. allowed to come back to the States. Um, so I work for them. They call me a channel manager. So I, uh, I, it's hard to explain. I'm pretty much like the, I'm the plug. So if one company <laughs> to speak to our company, they got to come through me first and then I plug them into the right place. So it's, yeah. it's a really, actually, it's really exciting. Um, lear- I'm learning a lot about the tech world, which is, which is really neat stuff that I didn't, I had no idea about, no idea that we could do. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm doing that actually as would be considered my full-time job. So I have all these other, other things on the side that I try and try and fill my time with, but overall, um, like we joked about earlier, unofficially retired because I'm doing more now than I was when I was <laughs> yeah. playing. But but it's all it's all really fun, and I'm so happy just to have have time. You know, I'm plan, planning a Halloween party right now for for a bunch of our friends here, and um, just not something I would have been able to do while playing. So this is this is uh, some of the moments that I'm really excited about. And what's cool too is uh, pretty much all the guys that I came up with at the exact same time that I was closest with except for except for one are all retired now retiring this year or last year so it's kind of funny how uh we're all kind of finishing at the same time yeah it's gonna be one hell of an alumni team then if if you guys are all retiring at the same time I know that's what I'm hoping is we can uh we can actually we've talked about it being it'd be cool to get together with you know some of the Caps alumni some Penguins alumni and then go over to like Europe and and do like a tour of, of Europe and play some of the teams out there or, or guys that they have ex NHL alumni there and stuff and just do a bit of a bit of a, a tour around there because I think the alumni is um, it's one of the things that everybody misses when, when they're done playing is the camaraderie and being around the, yeah. the people who have gone through the same stuff that you've gone through. So, um, you know, trying to try to help out with that and our alumni program here in, in DC, which is, which is strengthening by the year with how many people are are starting to move back here. So, so yeah, it's that that would be uh, be fun to be a part of an alumni team. Awesome, man. Well, that uh, again, thank you so much for doing this. I know I've kept you longer than I wanted to, but I really appreciate this. And uh, congrats, you know, I guess officially now, congrats on a great career. You know, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's fun to look back on. So, thank you for the intro at the beginning. It'll make me smile for the rest of the day. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. I saw the picture of you and Buble, and I, he's he's been in popping up. He's like Drake now. He's got pictures with all these Sagan, and uh, I saw yesterday it was Troy Stetcher, and but uh, you know Burnaby, the, the Burnaby connection is pretty strong there. So that was good stuff. Yeah, he, well, he's a big Canucks fan, right? Uh, he's uh, everybody knows that. So loves hockey, um, and and I know will continue to be involved with uh, with the Canucks there. So. Not surprised. He's uh, he's checking off all uh, all his buddies when uh, when he's in their in their talents now. Yeah, right on, Carl. Hey, thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.